that trinity to go to the nations to live on mission for Jesus. And so why don't we give a really warm trinity welcome to Karen Morris. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to be back. It's great to see all the changes and all the changes in people as well as in just furniture and lights and LEDs and how God keeps moving forward. Um, since some people know me and some people have no idea who I am besides Andy's sister, um, I thought this morning I would just start briefly by get a little introduction of myself and a brief history before I go into these past two years in Spain. What God's been teaching me, hopefully how he's been encouraging me, so that can be an encouragement to others. So, um, as I said, I grew up here in this church since I was, I don't know, maybe two or maybe one when we started coming, when it wasn't even in this location. Um, I was just very grateful. Every time I tell stories about my church in Canada, I'm just grateful. They're like, oh, wow, because most of them have just come to the Lord this generation and don't have the same type of history and support. Um, so I grew up here, and I never wanted to be a missionary. Everyone, this is a missions-minded church, so we heard about missions, and we heard about missionaries, and I have missionaries in my family. And my older sister always wanted to be a missionary first, so I was all like, great, everyone else can go. <laughs> Canada needs Jesus, so I'll stay here. Um, but Nick was speaking in 2000 about Spain, Nick Cardesis, and God broke my heart for Spain. I can't really put it any other way. God broke my heart for Spain. Um, at the end of his message in August of 2000, he clearly said that God was calling someone from this congregation to go to Spain as a missionary. And the lights were just like, that's you. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to go, God. But if you want me to go, you have to confirm it. And then that's what I'll do. Because what God wants is best. So he confirmed it in a lot of ways. <laughs> I was at UW at that time. So I finished my degree. I did the missionary training courses that WEC has. Because I'm with an organization called WEC International, which is all around the world, even though it's not very well known. <laughs> Started by C.T. Studd back in um, 1913. So um, it's a church planting and like a work with children type of focused organization. So I did all their training courses and I left for Spain in 2005. That's this picture on the left um, of the send-off that Trinity gave me in 2005 with Andy and my our sister Pam, who's currently in Burkina Faso. And then on this side, things have changed in the 12 years. This is yeah, this was me a couple of months ago with some of the guys that I work with at the church in Spain. So I left in 2000, if you can show the next slide. And God led me to this town and this church. So you can see it's called Torrejón de Aradoz. It's just on the outskirts of the capital of Madrid. And uh, the first Sunday I was in Spain in 2005, God led me to this church, La Iglesia Evangelica Calvario, or Calvary Evangelical Church. Um, I was living with a lady. She was going to that church. So she took me to her church the first Sunday, and God confirmed, this is your church. I'm like, that's cool. I can learn Spanish. <laughs> I still don't speak Spanish, and we'll see what God has for me, because I went not knowing clearly what... I would be doing for God in Spain or what place he'd have for me. All I knew is I didn't want to work with kids because I had it in my head that stereotypical single woman missionary, they'll just work with kids. So I was all like, well, I don't want to work with kids. Don't let kids work. <laughs> but what did God do? He led me to a kids ministry that I absolutely love. So God knows best. But he led me to this church. And so I was just there. Um, and then this man, if you can go back one slide. And the blue shirt up at the top corner, David. And one Sunday, he just stood up and he's like, I'm going to start 
a kids program for these kids in this neighborhood. Um, they need to know about Jesus. So who can help me deliver flyers? I'm like, well, I've only been in the country eight months. I can't really speak Spanish, but I can walk. So I'll deliver flyers. And they're from there, it's like, well, we'll just plan the activity. Oh, what do you think about games? What about this? Can we start off just like with movies like Finding Nemo, talking about obedience, and then I got more and more Bible stories, Bible games, Bible crafts, and so it just developed from there, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I really love these kids. God's given me a passion for these kids. What, what am I doing? I'm doing kids ministry. That's not what I wanted, and then you're like, okay, well, God's better. He knows what he's doing, so we started this in 2006, some of the first programs. The next slide was in 2007. We started homework classes, which was a huge outreach for us because it's a small neighborhood, lots of apartments. You can saw some of the first slides. So we open the doors and the kids can come in and do their homework. And so then you get to actually talk to them and get to invest in their lives. The parents see how much you care. Um, and so, because the school system in Spain, there's a lot of, mm, I think school failure is probably not the term we use in English, but <laughs> that's my translation at the moment, um, where it's normal. They'll repeat four subjects, they'll repeat five subjects, they'll repeat the year, they'll fail. Children as young as like six or seven have to memorize pages of things to have tests. I, I was giving piano lessons to a seven-year-old last year, and she stopped because she was too stressed about her exams. So she had to memorize all these things. So it's just, just kind of they need help. <laughs> if they don't have a parent there beside them to help them memorize and to help them go through all of their homework, in lots of cases they don't have parents or they're bilingual schools, so they need more help with English. So it's been just a great opportunity. It started in 2007 and it's still going, four days a week. And then we started in 2008. Um, the next slide was the first time I did a vacation Bible school there in Spain. I had to explain the concept. No one really knew what <laughs> vacation Bible school was. But it's still going strong. Um, we have a vacation Bible school planned in the first week of July, the same week that the vacation Bible school, or vacation Bible camp, I think they call it, is going here at Trinity. So we can need to keep praying <laughs> for what they're doing there. So the programs keep growing. And so in the first time I came home for furlough in 2007, I was sharing about this verse on the next slide that God gave me. This is the verse that God used to confirm really my call to Spain and to missions. That you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And after I shared, Wayne Broadland came up and he's all like, what are you asking for in God's name? And he's like, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that part. And he said, pray for the salvation of the children. God is going to give you the salvation of the children that you are working for. So we, were, we went back and we started praying as a team more focused on the salvation of the children, thinking Spain's a hard country. Spain's a slow country. Spain's been known as the graveyard of missionaries. Spain's been known as people that you have to work years and years and years to earn, earn their trust and to earn, like, really um, be part of their lives in a deep way. They're really, really personable, but <laughs> to make a friend of a Spaniard takes years. But once you're a Spaniard's friend, you're a Spaniard's friend for life. That's what the saying goes. So we're thinking, all right, well, we'll pray for the kids and see what God does in the future. And then eight months later, Bogdan was the first boy who gave his life to Jesus on the next slide. Most people have seen this. This is what I made in 2009. Because then in eight months, all of these boys and these girls had accepted Jesus as their savior. So we started a little small group discipleships, and we we're all like, oh, look, this is what God's doing now. <laughs> we got small group discipleships. They were becoming part of the church. In 2010, Juan came to know the Lord, um, which is on the next slide. 
And then in that next year, there's 17 more people who just came and wanted to accept Jesus. His whole family became Christians. Lots of people got baptized. And it was just an intense time, (laughs) which everyone here at this church was praying into and praying by name for all of these boys and for everything that God was doing, you know? And so it was an intense time of ministry. We were super excited. Um, And then the two men that I was working with, David and Luis, they both left the ministry, and it was me. <laughs> it was hard to keep the same momentum going. It was hard to keep the same focus. And when I came home in 2013, that's when people were praying for me here, and it was the clear word to stop. It was time to rest. So <laughs> we handed the program over to a lady from the church. Her name is Julie. She's um, 65 years old and from Chile. And she kept going with, this, with the primary kids program, but all the work with the teenager stopped when I stopped doing it. So I took a year off, I rested, and the past two and a half years I started back in with work with the teenagers. So that's kind of the history of some of the amazing things that God has been doing. Um, I think the next slide is a picture of some of their faces now. All grown up. Some are now like 25. <laughs> Went to one of the guy's weddings when he, he was 22 in February, and so he, he, he married his girlfriend. Some of these are the new ones that we've been working with. This is from 2016. But if you see the next slide, um, those are the ones that are no longer walking with the Lord. So it's been difficult. <laughs> But, the, um, but we know that God's working. We know that he has promises. We know that he's promised the fruit will last. I know he said specifically all of my children will come back. So in 2015, those are the verses that I was sharing. That the farmer patiently waits for the harvest. Because the verse that comes up in, I think is later in the presentation, I've changed the order. Um, <laughs> the, the farmer plants the seed is from, from Mark. And then he goes on his way. And whether he's sleeping or working, the seed's growing because God's taking care of it. So that's what I was sharing in 2015. And I went back with expectations. Okay, God, what are you going to do in these lives? Like, how are you changing them? How are you still working into them? Is my role still to be working with these these precious lives? Or do you have something new? And so I went back. And if the next slide shows a bit of what I've been doing these past two years. So he still is opening doors for me to work with teenagers. We have, I have five or six students that I help with the English, with their math, with physics, with chemistry, with pretty much anything until we can study. A lot of times we don't really study so much because they come and it's like, oh, my parents were fighting last night. So we talk a bit more about their parents and we can pray into that situation. And then we might not learn as many English verbs as they should have for the exam. But that's what I like about the one-on-one tutoring and the homework classes because it's really open door into lives and into hearts and into families. Um, so that's some pictures of some of the teenagers we're working with. I still do help with the volunteer with the kids program. Julie's taking it over, and there's a bunch of 20-something-year-olds team that helps. That's that picture on, under there. And then that's our logo. Some galores is like sowers who go to sow their seed. And our, our theme verse for these past two years is he who sows much receives much. <laughs> so that's our goal. Sometimes we not, not see the fruit. Sometimes we might see like... With all of those boys as they've grown up, some walking with the Lord for six or seven years and being baptized, you know, but it's still God's seed that's in their hearts. So, um, I'm part of a couple of music ministries there. I've played the piano since I was six, so I play on the worship team. I gave a lot of piano classes. We led a lot of um, schools of worships in different places to kind of teach other people not just how to play instruments, but how to play together and how to lead worship, because that's different than just... (laughs) playing a song on your own. Um, that stopped this year, and so I have a bit more time, and I was 
starting to play for a choir this past couple of months. I'm not sure if I'll continue with that when I go back or not, but that's something cool, just other opportunities God has given me. And I've been the field treasurer of the Wex Bain team now for 11 years. <laughs> so most of the times I get voted back onto leadership team, which takes up about 25% of my time, but it's not something I really talk about. Um, this morning, for time reasons, I'm really just going to focus a bit on some of the things God has been doing and some of the teenagers, some of the 13 and 14-year-olds now that he keeps sending to Spain. So that's the next slide. This is the team program. <laughs> you can see over here there's a boy named Franklin, who we've known since he was five years old. And so he grew up in the program. He was always coming. He was always super excited, um, super misbehaved, like, all the time. But <laughs> you know that he wanted to be there. And when I stopped doing anything with the teenagers, I would run in him, into him on the streets, and he would say, Karen, when can I go to the church? When is there church for me? I want to go to church. Like, why is there no programs? Why is there no church? So <laughs> I, when I started back up, in 2015, then I started because of him. And he invited his friends, and they all came. And then they invited their friends, and they came. So it was about a year and a half. I was working with these volunteers. You can see Diego. He's a 20-year-old. Um, well, he's born in Bolivia, but living in Spain. And these two short-termers, Hannah and Suvi, who were helping with WEC. And we were there. And we could, every week they were coming, and every week we, they were growing, and every week we could see growth in them, and they were getting closer to God, and you could see all these changes, you know, and all of a sudden, we took them on excursions, we did a lot of interesting things, and there's like these deep God moments you could have in their lives. And then in September, Franklin started to play American football, that's what they call football, because football, soccer, so they started to play American football, and so he stopped coming, and so all of his friends stopped coming. <laughs> And then there's a whole group of his friends that were gypsies, because the gypsy population in Spain is basically like normal people. But there's like, then there's the flamenco dancers, <laughs> and then there's the really low-class gypsies. And so this group that was coming to the program was to the really low-class gypsies. So you can see in this picture where we were at the lake, there's a girl on the left in a black dress and her boyfriend behind her. So she's 14, Lucia, and he's 15, Moises. And so according to gypsy tradition, they got married in their church in September. Um, it's not legal with like the law, but they got married because in their families and their, in their culture still, they get married very, very young. So they got married and now she's pregnant and so they stopped coming and his brother was coming, but he was separated from his wife, but they got back together. And then the other guy who was 14, he married his 13-year-old girlfriend. And so that whole group that we'd poured like a year and a half into, we suddenly have like no contact with and they stopped coming. And you're like, okay, God, so what's next? <laughs> is this done? Or do we still have an in into this community that is so needy? The youth in Spain, they're called the Nini generation because they don't really study and they don't really have any hope for the future. So it's like neither nor because they think, well, if I study, if I work, if I get a job, I'm not going to make very much money. I won't get a job because youth unemployment is like at 50%. Um, or they'll have to go out of Spain to get a job. They're like, my grandparents trusted in the Catholic Church. That didn't work. My parents trusted in good jobs and money and financial support. That didn't work because there was a crisis. Well, I'm just going to go and party and have fun because why bother? So people as young as 11, 12, you just see them drinking on the streets <laughs> and going to the fiestas. And it's very sad. There's this whole generation that's so needy. And you're like, how do we keep reaching into them? You know, who are the new contacts? What are the new things we can do? And so this year, in October, we started up with this next group. You can see up at the top, it was a whole different group. Instead of like 16-year-old boys, all of a sudden there's like 13-year-old girls because one girl came into the church and she brought all of her friends. So all of a sudden we had 15 to 18-year-old girls again and so we could start over. We could start getting to know them, they could start getting to know us, and we could start teaching them about Jesus and teaching them about different values and teaching them about different ways to live. There's this lady, Chelo, from the church. Her name's Consuelo. 
who started to come and help me. So instead of having like 20 year olds helping me, then I have this grandmother who's 65 and she's awesome and she has more energy than me sometimes. <laughs> and, and we're like, okay, this is what you're doing, God. Okay, this is the new group. This is what, this is our answers to prayer. And then the one girl who was the key for everyone coming, she stopped coming. She moved neighborhoods. She only moved like a 10 minute walk away, but it was like she lived on bars. Like she just stopped coming. So all of her friends stopped coming. And so by Easter, there was like no one. And we're all like, okay, God, now what? <laughs> now what? What are you doing? Like it was just so frustrating because you feel like, but with the first groups, we had so much momentum. They would come for years and you could go deeper and deeper and deeper into their lives, right? And really make an impact and get to know their families and talk with their parents and be invited to their houses for Easter. Like there is a whole deeper connection that this year, it just seems it was so hard to get because you started to get to that point where they're like, yeah, come and meet my parents. And then they stopped coming <laughs> and you'd call them and like, yeah, but then they didn't come back. And then this next group come and then they left, you know, and then we're like, okay, God, well, what are you doing? <laughs> we don't know what you're doing. And then God sent a short-termer from Switzerland. His name is Elias. He's up in that picture. And so a couple of guys were like, hey, there's a new guy. Like, let's go back. Let's see what's going on, right? And because he came, there's this guy from the church, Danny, at the bottom, who came. He's all like, oh, you guys just hang out with the guys from the neighborhood? I can just come and play, like, foosball with them? That's cool. <laughs> so he started to come to help me. And that was a huge, huge blessing, you know, just to have him put on the sound, put on the music, put on any videos that I wanted to show, and just see a guy who's, like, a couple years older than them, but walking with the Lord. And to see there's just a different way of thinking and a different way of living. So I was like, okay. And then in May, there was one day that there was one boy. <laughs> he was the only one that had come. And I've been going through some health issues this past year, and I was just very tired, very worn out. I was just like, okay, if no one's coming anymore, maybe we're done. Like, okay, I'm just done. And so Chella and I were praying, and all of a sudden, two boys from the first group, their names are Alberto and Emilio, they're 12 and 13, they knocked on the door of the church to come in. I had not seen them in over a year. We had not had their phone numbers. We had not had any contact with them. All of a sudden, they just knocked on the door and they wanted to come in. They had been smoking marijuana, so they came high. They were completely high. They were laughing at everything and anything we were saying. But somewhere, somewhere in their brains, they remembered there's church. They remembered God. There was something deep in them that was like seeking, and they came. And it was just such an encouragement that's like, no, you guys are sowing. You guys are planting the seeds. Like, they make their decisions. Some, you know, the seed went deeper. Some, it got still protecting it, you know. But I still have you here. I'm still bringing people. I'm still providing the volunteers. And there's still people who need you. This 12 and 13 year old whose families are like, <laughs> not structured whatsoever. Um, and so God encourages you when you need to be encouraged. So that's the next slide, I think. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of, of Titus. And so that's the picture of Alberto. So he came. That was the middle of May. So until we finished the program, he came. He brought friends. And so the last week, the last week I couldn't really go because I'd fallen and sprained my ankle. So I was at my house with my leg up. And Cello brought... 10 boys to the park and had a huge water party. <laughs> but they sent me pictures and it was, it was God saying, look, I'm still working. Look what I'm doing. Um, you just do what I'm telling you to do and I do the rest. You know, it's like his job. So is there other couple little stories? Um, cause every time you can focus on the people who are making bad decisions, you know, or the people who you're like, mm, or the people who have walked away or the people who no longer help or the people you're like, no, okay, I'm not going to focus on 
the things that you still are doing, God, even though I don't see them. <laughs> I'm going to focus on the, the powerful things that you are doing. You know, Isma is from the first group. He accepted Christ in 2009. He went to the Dominican Republic for four years. He came back to Spain. And the very first thing he did, the first day he was in Spain, was come back to the church. Because he's all like, this is my home. So he was back walking with the Lord for three years in the church. He got a non-Christian girlfriend. He walked away. <laughs> he came back. He walked away. Um, but in the past month, he just suddenly showed up again. He's all like, you know, I've never stopped believing in God. So I have to stop looking at people and looking at church and just look at God because this is what I need. Then you're like, all these years, you know, that he's, he's still, God still has a hand on him. God, God's still working. And we just don't sometimes see a lot of the results, but it's encouraging when these kids, God gives you a little glimpse. He's like, you're still in the right direction. Look what you're doing. Look what I'm doing, you know? So that's the same thing with Jokayev. I hadn't had any contact with him for a year. He called me up two weeks ago. It's like, I have an English test. Can, we, can I go to your house and study? I'm like, sure. I'm just sitting here with my ankle up with ice. <laughs> she can come over. So we studied for a couple of hours for his English exam. And he's like, you know what? I went to this church retreat with this Brazilian church that I found out because he's from Brazil. And I had this great experience with God. I was so empty. And I remembered God is what I needed. I remembered when I do the things that God asks, it goes well. I haven't been following God, so this is why my life is not going well. And he's all like, look, now all my exams, I'm motivated to study. Look, my relationship with my mom's going better, all because of God. I'm like, that's fantastic. I'm like, so you're going to the Brazilian church? He's like, no, it's all the other side of Madrid. So like, well, do you want to come back to Calvary? He's all like, yeah, probably <laughs> one of these days. And it's just these little moments where you're like, God's at work. God knows who's are who his children are. He knows his own and he takes care of us and he's working, you know, so these little moments when you feel like, all right, I can't do it anymore. It's that when God does everything. So, cause there's always the ones that have stayed and the ones that are growing. And so that's the picture of Jericho here at the bottom. You can see I started working with Jericho when he was 15. He's one of my piano students who's playing the piano for me these three months while I'm here in Canada. Um, I did math. I did English, everything with him. He's now in second year university. That's a picture of him with his girlfriend. He's recently shaved off his whole beard because it's like 40 degrees in Madrid at the moment, so it's too hot. Um, but every time you kind of think, well, I don't know really what I'm doing or why I'm doing it, like you can see, oh, look, <laughs> there are people who you, God put me in their lives and he gave me love for them. And not because of my own strength or my own knowledge or anything like that, but just to be able to pour God into them and to see what God does. Because that's the kind of the point. Because the other two are just visits. Manessa Noergi. Nori lives in Belgium. He came to visit, and the first thing he did, he wanted to come to the church and see me, see David, see Luis, see who was still around. And every time you're like, they've forgotten, you know? God's like, oh, look, no. Here they are. <laughs> Here they are. And so that's kind of a, a summary of the teens this year. It's not as big as before. It's not as like, wow, every week someone's coming to know the Lord. But God's still at work because he still loves the teenagers of Spain. He still wants to give them hope and give them life. So that's what we're trying to do. Keep praying for more volunteers because with more volunteers, we can actually do more. When we have more volunteers, people could call the parents. <laughs> people could visit the parents. People could follow up better. I write people WhatsApps, but sometimes they respond, sometimes they don't. Sorry, WhatsApp is what we do in Spain because people don't use texts. I don't know if people have heard of WhatsApp. Sorry. <laughs> um, we write little, I write them little texts and sometimes they respond and sometimes they don't, you know, but I can't, one person can't continue to follow up so many people. So we keep praying for more volunteers and God sends people who kind of start, you know, tell us started or Diego starts or someone starts and then for reasons they have to leave it. So 
we're still thankful. We're still seeing what God's going to do in these lives. So that's one of the four things I'm kind of involved with, which I'm going to share about now. There's not time for everything else. I just wanted to finish with a couple of verses. These are the verses that I was sharing before from Romans and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. I love that verse. It's so true. Every time you're kind of like down or kind of sad, God just reminds you of a verse. He reminds you of his promises. And he's like, I'm still here. I'm still working, you know? And so these are the verses from 2015 I was saying. They consider the farmers. They patiently wait for the harvest to ripen. And here's another illustration of what the kingdom of God is like. A farmer planted seeds in a field, and then he went on with his other activities. And as the days went by, the seeds sprouted and grew without the farmer's help. And so this is the verses that God's been teaching me now. The past weeks I've been meditating a lot on Psalm 23 and about sheep and shepherds. Um, sadly, there's a Brazilian missionary who's married to a Spanish pastor, and that pastor, he's 56 years old, and he passed away two, months ago, two weeks ago from liver cancer. It was all very fast <laughs> and very crazy, and we were just praying Psalm 23 over this family, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and it's such a well-known psalm and such a well-known truth, but somehow it just became more profound that, you know, God is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And if you really know the first part of the psalm, if you're really sure that God is my shepherd and I shall not want, then like the second part, you can say with confidence that I won't be afraid, even though the problems, even though there's all these difficulties, even though like everything's going on. Like if you're really sure that the Lord is your shepherd and he's providing everything, maybe you don't have it now, but he knows you're hungry. So he's going to lead you to that pasture, you know, or maybe you're thirsty now, but he knows you're thirsty. So he's leading you to those streams you're going to walk and you're going to drink. So that's why you can say, even though I walk through this valley, you know, I will feel no evil for he is with me. So I was just kind of thinking about that. And I came across these verses in Ezekiel a couple months ago that I've been praying over the boys. The Lord and King says, I myself will search for my sheep. I will look after them. I will search for the lost and bring back those who've wandered away. It's God. It's been 12 years. I'm so grateful for everything God's taught me, everything he's showed me. I'm so grateful for the love he's given me for all of those boys. I don't know the plans God has for them. But since they became Christians, when, when Wayne Broadland told me to pray for their salvation, we've been praying Ephesians 4 over them, that he would raise up pastors and teachers and leaders and pastor and prophets. So I know God has big plans, and that's why there's big big lucha there's a big fight you know going over them and we just keep trusting because god's the lord he's the king and he knows what he's doing so thank you i don't have as much perspective on my two years as i normally do after coming at the end so hopefully it was made sense and it wasn't too scattered <laughs> that's kind of what was on my heart to share this morning thank you karen wow just such a powerful reminder that um, the lives that we sow into, um, we may not see the fruit, but God is at work. And so join me as I pray. Um, we're going to pray for those boys. We're going to pray for you, Karen. And so let's pray. Father, we just want to come before you. First of all, we want to thank you for Karen and her heart. She shared her heart this morning. It's the Father's heart for the lost. You've placed that within her, God, to see those who are far from you come close to you, to see those who are walking according to their own ways come to that realization that they're going the wrong way, and that you are a God who welcomes them with open arms when they make that decision to turn to you. 
And so, Father, we thank you for Karen's heart that she showed this morning. It's your heart. And God, we pray for each of those boys that were highlighted this morning that who are no longer following you or who are going their own way. God, no one's too far from your reach. We pray, Lord God, that you would begin to work. We, we trust that you are already working in their lives to see that turn around where they come to that place, that realization that, oh, I need to come back. Just like some of the other stories we heard from Karen this morning where, where, they, where, where those guys, they showed up back at the church and had an encounter with you and realized that this is where they needed to be, in the presence of their Heavenly Father. So we pray for each of those boys, Lord God, who are not following after you, that they would come back to you in a powerful way, Lord God. And Father, we pray for Karen now. We just, well, I just want to pray over your ankle. In Jesus' name, we just pr- speak healing over her, Lord God. She sprained it, and uh, it seems like it's getting a little bit better. But Father, we just pray for a complete, total restoration now in Jesus' name. We just pray that you're, you would take away all the pain. And Father, again, we just thank you so much for Karen's heart that you've placed within her uh, for Spain and for those who... Um, will be coming to know you. And so thank you for using her. Thank you, Lord God, that she is a part of our family. And we bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you.